0: Where have I been Where am I going Where am I Just when I have all the answers all the questions change Yes, it's me again. What am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I talking to myself in my room or actually in Autumn's room? Autumn being my daughter. Autumn is my daughter. And Autumn is away in France working. Working four jobs, actually. She's just one of those slacker millennials you hear about all the time. Yeah, don't you just love stereotypes? Hmm... Water It's been a while. It's been a while. And you know, part of me thinks uh, I, I always wonder, when I do this, when I don't do this, I wonder, why did I start? Why did I stop? Why am I doing this? Why ask why? All those questions. I listen to a lot of philosophy podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, which is one of the reasons why I even decided to start doing this a while ago. And then uh, why I decided to stop, partly is just because that, that's my pattern. Patterns, right? You ever look back on your life and you recognize certain patterns about yourself? Like uh, one of my patterns is I tend to do things for a while and then I stop. <laughs> I, I suppose that doesn't make me very unique because it's, uh, you know, it's mostly what we do, right? We start things and then we stop. But I mean, as opposed to some people who just have this dogged determination to continue doing something. You know, like, for instance, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, I mean, if, if it weren't for the fact that they, you know, if they weren't doing it regularly, then I'm sure I wouldn't be listening, right? I'm not sure. Actually, there's some podcasters who have an irregular release schedule but the common wisdom is and this a lot of times comes from mark Marin, and mark Marin i do usually need to mention during my podcast um mark Marin, oh i love this i i'll stop and interrupt myself <laughs> as i will do throughout the duration of this however long it turns out to be i've got a different setup than i did when i fr- did this god it's been almost a year i think I don't have my podcast schedule or list or whatever, my historical record in front of me. But I think it was last April, maybe. So it's been almost a year. It doesn't matter. Time, right? Time is weird. I'll get to that. Or maybe that's it. Maybe that's all I'll say about it. Time is weird. Different setup. I'm using my professional microphone. That's the same uh, that I used on occasion. But I had a different, I had a boom Microphone for those of you geeks out there into equipment and stuff. I had a a boom microphone that's generally mostly used for stage. You know, it's uh, actually the boom isn't always used for stage. Here's the point I have this stand up microphone, the you know, the typical tall mic that you'd see used for stand up, but then I had a boom attachment, which normally you'd use if you're sitting at a, a piano or maybe playing guitar. Yeah, But this microphone stand that I got now is the kind that you clamp onto the desk and it's you, n- you normally see it used by DJs or podcasters. It's got springs and stuff. And the cool thing about it is like right now it's right up against my mouth and now it's a little further away It's because I'm able to just move it back and forth. <sighs> and then I breathe and move back and it's nice because I'm sitting in a chair and I can move it closer to me if I feel like moving backwards. If I want to lean forwards, I can just move it along with me. The other one that I had was a boom microphone, not as easily adjusted. So that's why this kind of mic is the preferred mic for professional types, (laughs) for professional people, of which I am sometimes. You know, the thing about professional is it means you get paid, right? But it's also a, a state of mind in a way, or... I don't know. No, I guess if you look it up, Webster's dictionary definition, it would be you've been paid. But there's also you can be professional. You can be a professional person and not be paid if you know. Because it is some of it is behavior. How you conduct yourself. Whatever the definition, I have been a professional off and on uh, in a variety of different performing venues. I've never gotten paid directly for doing this, for doing a podcast, but uh, I have been paid for using my voice. I've been a comedian, an actor, and I still am, kind of. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I, I don't pursue it. Here's where I am. Here's where I am in uh, 2018, January 2018. And if you're thinking that maybe the reason I'm doing this is because it's the beginning of the year and it's some kind of a resolution, I, I, I will argue against that. And why not? What? Not that you're arguing, because you can't. Because I'm just here talking to myself, so you can't argue with me. I just haven't gotten into resolutions in a while. I, I, I tend to think that more. I'm more along the, along the lines of, just every day, just day to day, man, one day at a time. You know, I do stuff today and. Uh, you know whether I'm improving myself or not is just a day to day thing, you know, man. And even though I've never gone to twelve step program, I'm kind of you know kind of into that one day at a time. Speaking of twelve steps, I quit drinking. It's been almost two years now. It was sometime in January of 2016, and as I say, as part of my uh, my comedy act is like uh, I'm not looking for a pat on the back or anything because I am tripping on acid. Thank you. <laughs> I usually refrain from doing that. I don't like like doing my stand-up act when I'm just talking into a microphone or when I'm just having a conversation with somebody. But it, it came to mind, so I'm gonna say it. I don't remember if I told this story on my podcast, but I'll tell it now. Because if you know, if you're somebody who's never listened to this before, I, I have uh which is likely because I only have like uh Three and a half listeners that I'm aware of, and that's not counting myself. But the story goes is this: it's a short story, but uh, I don't know. Uh, sometimes you know when you when you quit something, it's it's gradual. Um, there's arguments for cold turkey or gradual. It it, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into that. All I'm going to say is my personal experience with this particular habit that I quit is there was a moment, it was a moment, my daughter was in her junior year in college, she was studying abroad in France, and um, being a parent, uh, and, and the kind who actually does care about his children, I was a concerned parent, worried about my daughter being several thousand miles away from home, and... She called me. I don't know. Sometime within the first week or so, I don't remember exactly. But all I know is like early on in her trip, when I was still the, the worrying part of me was still fresh, and I'm just wondering how she's settling in. And I was worried about her and being in another country. And also to add to that, uh, the, the not long before she left, there was a, a bombing in in Paris and a nightclub and and a terrorist attack, and it was, you know, made me concerned. Although she and I had this discussion and. She said something that I agreed with, you know, which is unfortunately true. She said, you know, Dad, I've been going to college here for a few years, and I'm probably safer in Paris than I am on a college campus in America. And, yeah, because, you know, uh, there's been a lot of college shootings, uh, college campus shootings off and on. So, yeah, so there's all that. There's all the danger and the fear, and and, uh, I was worried about her. And then we had a conversation where on the phone, and at some point she was crying, and I went, "What's wrong? Why are you crying?" And she said, "I'm worried about your drinking." Bow. So my heart sank, and even as I'm thinking about it now, I'm, I'm reliving it, and I want to relive it. I don't want to forget how I felt, and I, in fact, any time that I ever even maybe get the slightest urge to drink again that quickly goes away when I just remember that feeling that I had when I was on the phone with her. When she was several thousand miles away from home, I was worried about her, but her biggest worry was me. Concerned about her dad drinking. And, you know, it wasn't so much that I hit rock bottom or that I was doing anything stupid at the time or that I wasn't drinking and driving I, I wasn't, you know, beating anybody. I wasn't violent. It wasn't that. It was just, you know, it was the, the rock bottom that I hit was that feeling of my daughter telling me she was worried about my drinking. And that was it. At the time I was drinking, my drink of choice was real classy. It was boxed wine. <laughs> Five-gallon Container of wine that I would be sucking on throughout the week, all by myself, and for no no real reason. You know, at the time I was even questioning, why am I even doing this? Why am I drinking? You know, I just I don't know. I mean, you know, life was good. I got I was getting along with both my kids. I liked my job, and yet there I was just just drinking by myself, just you know, chugging or sipping wine or vodka, I just and. Uh, just you know, so <sighs> I don't know. I don't know why I was drinking, but I know why I stopped, and I haven't had a drop since. I've been going to places though. I've been going to places where there is alcohol because I. The thing about the thing about it is, is I, I think if if I was really uh like excluding myself from going to comedy clubs or or sports bars or places where there's alcohol because I don't drink, that would. Uh, I don't know, I'd feel, I'd feel kind of weak. I don't want to stay away from places just because there's alcohol there. I should be strong enough to resist. And it hasn't even been that hard, oddly enough. I don't know why. I don't take credit for it. I don't know. I know some people just have like a really hard time when they quit uh, quit whatever, whether it's drinking or cigarettes or heroin or whatever it is that, you know, you end up getting hooked on and then you d- you, you decide you want to quit. Or, you, or there's an intervention, whatever the reason is, you quit. Some people have a really hard time of it and they go through physical and emotional withdrawals. And I, I'm i lucky enough, again, this is not anything where I'm rubbing it in or I'm uh, claiming any kind of superiority. I have no fucking idea why I'm so, hey, there's my explicit tag, earned it. No, but I really, I don't have any idea why I'm able to stop things. I've, I've, I've had bad habits. <laughs> I've I, I smoked for a while too. I, I I don't know. I wasn't much of a smoker, but when I was doing how many times did I smoke in my life? I smoked when I was doing comedy back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s when I was in the full immersion program of stand-up comedy, unlike now where I'm just a uh, kind of like comedy's like pick up like pick up basketball to me. I'm I'm like the old guy that shows up and shoots a few hoops and then goes home, you know, and then the other, the young, the young bucks are out there fighting out, fighting it out and knocking each other around. And I just go, yeah, see you guys later. Uh, what was my point about that? Oh, c- cigarettes. Yeah. So I I mean, I smoked off and on. So that was one time. That I think that's the time I smoked the longest. Oh yeah. there was another time. That I started smoking was after we had a guy who was across the hall from us when we were living in in Hillcrest. And Hillcrest was a nice place to live, but it just so happened that some crazy man moved across the hall from us with a duffel bag full of guns and one day just decided to start shooting the place up. (laughs) Luckily, we were able to get out of there without getting hurt. There were some bullet holes in our door, (laughs) Uh, so that was a little frightening. We we went, got, uh, we living up in the second or third floor and the uh, SWAT team ended up coming and the fireman or the SWAT team helped us leave our apartment through the balcony because going through the front door was kind of tough when there was a guy shooting through the door. So that started me smoking <laughs> and I don't remember how long I smoked after that, but that was a nice excuse anyway. I was a little stressed out little PTSD, I guess. I never got diagnosed with PTSD, but let's just say that's kind of the symptoms, right? Smoked. But at some point, just like, oh, I'm done. Done various uh, drugs, uh, illicit uh, drugs. And don't worry. I'm not worried. (laughs) I'm not worried about saying that publicly anymore. I used to worry about that because I was worried that my parents would find out. It's like at this point, like for one thing, my mom's dead. And my dad, I don't have anything to do with him, so... I don't have to worry about that. And as far as uh, like law enforcement authorities knowing about it, I don't have to worry about that either because it so happens that I actually did have to have, uh, for my job, I won't get too specific for, uh, for security reasons, but the job that I have, you know, I had to have background check and I told them they know the people who uh, employ me know that I have a history, but also I don't do them anymore because if I do, I lose my job. (laughs) I asked somebody recently, or I didn't ask somebody, I was telling somebody recently about that, one of the comedians telling him that uh, I can't get high, even though in California uh, now it's legal. I mean, and it's been legal for medicinal purposes for a long time. Now it's legal for recreational purposes as well. But I had told this uh, comedian sometime last year uh, that I I couldn't. In fact, I was talking about it on stage, that I, I can't, smoke. I can't do drugs because I have to pee in a cup. Occasionally, randomly at work. And he goes, well, why don't you just find another job, man? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I could find another job. But uh, the kind of job that I have, I'm sorry. It's like, it's, I'm not sorry. It actually, it pays very well. Thank you very much. And I'm 57 years old. And I've worked quite a lot of years to build up a career and a reputation. And I'm not about to Give all that up just so I can get stoned? <laughs> That's pretty stupid. I like a, I like a steady paycheck. Oh, I know. No, I got a better idea. I'm gonna assert my freedom. I'm gonna assert myself, and I'm gonna go get a crappy minimum wage job so I can get high and feel that freedom. I I had that freedom before. The last time I was, uh, the last time I was into getting high was back when I was again back to the full immersion. I say again because I just mentioned it earlier the full immersion portion of my stand-up comedy career. <clears throat> that's back when I could actually call it a career because from uh 80, 1989 when I quit my day job as a my cushy day job as a computer programmer which is now called software engineer but I I quit my nice cushy day job to go work for a minimum wage for the at the comedy store and that you know while that bohemian lifestyle was there was something to be said for it i much more enjoy my life now the fact that i didn't end up making it is, is okay with me i've come to grips with that kind of kind of in fact you know up to this point it's uh, we're 17 minutes and 26 seconds into this i i haven't even i haven't looked at my little notepad I, i'm just going off the top of my dome here, <laughs> as, as you might guess, since I'm just babbling. That's one of the habits I'm trying to get out of when I'm on stage anyway, is, uh, you know, I need to take a few more breaths. When I'm doing stand-up, there's more of this expectation that maybe you should uh, get, it, get some laughs now and then, <laughs> preferably maybe every 10, 15 seconds or so, give or take, a few times a minute. I don't get so nerdy anymore where I time it, but I do know that babbling on like this, uh, as I sometimes do on stage, is not really—it's not really a part of the art form that people appreciate. Um, that might be more of a one-man show kind of thing, or maybe this—maybe it's podcasting. Because you know, it's—I, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of uh, comedians. Mark Marin again—I'll mention. Um, he's a funny guy. But he's not always, like, going for the laughs when he's doing his podcast. His episodes tend to run an hour. And it's just, you know, talking. Like this. The only difference is he's talking to people. <laughs> he does have the part up front, though, where he just uh, is talking. I'm assuming mostly off the top of his head. So now 18 minutes and 50 seconds into it, I'll get to the top of my list. Because it reminded me, when I said that I'm, I'm pretty much over it, that I'm, I'm 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 okay with the fact that I didn't make it. I didn't have whatever it took to stick to it, whether it was talent or persistence or, or just, I, you know, didn't get the lucky break that I needed or I didn't stick around long enough to get the break. I don't Who knows? Who knows? I got a story to tell about that that makes me feel in good company. But first, it's the word envy. Because sometimes now I watch comics that are living in this parallel universe here locally in San Diego County and they'll post stuff on Facebook where they're doing the kind of stuff that I was really serious about doing, um, 25 to 30 years ago. And even sometimes 10 years ago, but it doesn't matter off and on over the last 30 years, I have pursued bookings. Sometimes bookings, bookings have just come my way. People sometimes will just call out of the blue. And a few years ago that happened, uh, Lamont Ferguson called me, he's a guy who's uh, headliner now, is, has been for a while, and we know each other from back in the day at the comedy store, and, and he just, you know, called me out of the blue and just did this gig a few times, and, uh, but point being, as I'm not pursuing it now, it being bookings, it being a career, it being uh, getting on TV, it being all the uh, going on the road, all those things that, you know, uh, that, uh, that would actually be called a career. I, I'm not thinking about that. When I, when I go to do stand-up now, it's because I just, I feel like doing it. I like performing. And, and I'm doing it to have fun. And it's not that, you know, you, I, could, I could also do it to have fun and still look and pursue bookings. I don't know. Maybe that'll happen again someday. I have no idea. But for the time being, I'm not pursuing bookings. But here's where envy comes in. Sometimes I will look at some of the local comics who haven't been doing it for very long. And they're getting bookings. And I'm not getting bookings. And I'll feel envious. And not only just in general, even forget show business, forget entertainment. Just in general, envy is just an ugly thing. And it's a useless thing. And I tell myself that intellectually, but still emotionally, I got to admit it. I'm just, I'm feeling it. Can I stop that? I mean, that's an, (laughs) that's a... That's an age-old question, isn't it? How much, how much of our nature can we stop? I don't know. I, I mean, and it's not that I never feel happy for people because, you know, I'll, I'll click like when I really feel it. Sometimes when I don't feel it, I'm, I don't click like on Facebook because I'm going, well, I'm not really happy for this person because they haven't been doing it long enough. And why are they getting booked and I'm not getting booked? And go, what the fuck, man? I'm not pursuing it and it's also really not a zero sum game even though in a sense it is because there's only a finite amount of stage time but in you know in reality you know it, somebody me getting a few minutes of extra stage time is not going to prevent somebody from having a career and vice versa any given moment of time now forget even let's expand it out let's extrapolate <laughs> Any given moment of time in the, in, the wor- in the world, people are performing constantly. People are doing plays. They're doing just all different kinds of venues. They're doing ballet. They're doing figure skating. Whatever it is. I'm not going to go and list all the things, but they're doing so many different... Every minute of the day, I would imagine, you go all the time zones around the planet, right? There's constantly people performing. So for me, me to feel envy or FOMO, as has been the uh, current or relatively current acronym, FOMO, fear of missing out, I'm sure you've heard it. I don't want to be an old dude that's explaining something to you that you've already heard. I mean, for me to feel that it's ridiculous. But here's the thing. If I feel it, I feel it. So I can't, I can't, den- I don't want to deny it. I want to, I want to delve into it. Don't go, why am I feeling that? And I think part of it is maybe because, you know, in our minds, even though I'm 57, technically, I am. No, I I am. Not technically, I am. That's a number. That's an objective fact. I've seen my birth certificate. I've lived it. But the thing about time is, as I mentioned earlier, time is weird. On the one hand, all we have is this moment, right? So we live year after year after year, but all we have is this moment. Every philosopher and every self-help book will tell you that at some point, and all you have is now. That's another objective fact. As far as we know, at least the laws of space and time as we know it, all you have is now. The only time you can do anything is now. The past is gone. The future ain't a thing yet. All you got is now. So that's our experiencing self. All you can experience is here and now. So where does envy come in? I don't know. I'm thinking, as I'm thinking through and trying to process this, is that envy is because in my mind, everything is still all mashed up together. Maybe not the last 57 years. Yeah, all of it. But focusing on the, my, the envy I feel on these people living in a parallel universe where they're really totally into comedy and gung-ho and pursuing bookings and getting bookings is that in my mind, I'm still them. I'm still 26, 27 years old. I'm still living in a house with a bunch of other comedians and I'm still pursuing this and I'm still serious about it. I'm wanting to get on The Tonight Show. At that time, it was still Johnny Carson. That was the dream. And I know people who did it. So it wasn't necessarily a pipe dream. It wasn't something like, oh my God, I want to like go to Mars. It was something that people were doing. It was so close I could reach out and touch it. I was in a room, working in a room at the comedy store here in La Jolla where headliners were coming down, where Jim Carrey was coming down before he was famous, where... I saw Sam Kinison perform when he was at the height of his fame. And now these aren't people that I knew or came up with, but there were people I came up with. Mark Brazil ended up going on to create that 70s show. Before that, he wrote for Dennis Miller. He was uh, writing for Third Rock from from the Sun. And then you might not know him by name, but you've seen stuff he's done. One of the local comics that was doing open mics was Steve Kelly. He was also a political cartoonist here in San Diego. And he got on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So I was there. I was in the room. I was performing with people who were doing that. And I was going to be one of them. And then it didn't happen. Or at least it didn't, it didn't happen quickly enough for me. I moved up to L.A. and I don't know. I just, it, just, it just didn't happen quick enough and I left went back to my day job and and then that was it kind of question mark for a while but but the point getting back to the point of why envy it's silly is why i mean there's no, really no good reason for it envy's just silly it's like it's like if you if you go on facebook cuz it's or anywhere, but you know, this this kind of feeling existed before Facebook, obviously, but let's just say what's happening here in this day and age. Go on Facebook and I see people going to a party and I maybe envy the good time they're having, even though it's some place that I didn't want to go in the first place. I mean, how stupid is that? And that's what I feel about these gigs. On the one hand it's like yeah I really wish I could have these gigs and and all but I really don't I'm not pursuing it I'm not if I really wanted it I I would get it and it doesn't matter that I'm 57 I believe that it's like I, I I've done it every time in the past even as recently as just a few years ago I was I was performing and getting gigs and and 10 years ago when I decided that I was going to get back into it again I was I was going up and I did every improv up in uh, up north <laughs> and I say up north in you know LA area I did Hollywood, Ontario, Irvine, Brea, all of them. I get gigs at every one of them. So it's it's something I know how to do. So why would I envy people that are doing something that I've already done? And that if I decided I wanted to do it, I'm pretty sure I could do it again. But I don't want to, or at least I'm not putting forth the effort. So what the fuck is wrong with me? Envy is stupid. That's, that's it's just stupid. So I, I, you know, I I guess I've said enough about that. I don't want to kick myself much more than I already have. But I do know that that's something I'm working on, working through it. I don't know what when, uh, if there's going to be a just a switch that's going to flip one day where I go, Oh, yeah, that's right. It is stupid. Because see, I'm saying it intellectually, I'm saying it's stupid, but I'm still feeling it. I can't deny that sometimes when I look at somebody posting something online, and I see that they've got a gig. And if I feel anything other than joy for them, I'm an asshole. <laughs> right? That's what I feel. And a lot of times, I, maybe sometimes it just depends on the person. Sometimes I look at some somebody, I'm not going to mention names, but sometimes I look and I go, oh, good for him, good for her. And other times I go, fuck that guy. So I don't know, maybe it's just maybe it's not that I'm feeling envy because they're doing something that I that I'm not doing anymore. Maybe it's just because I don't like that person. I or whatever the reason, I don't know. I mentioned earlier being in good company as far as the quitting, stopping before I made it. <laughs> but here's the thing about making it. I'm still doing it to an extent, I mean, I've I'm, I'm still like, I didn't count exactly because I'm not really totally nerding out like I used to, but uh there, there have been some spurts over the last year-ish, year and a half. I've been doing uh, open mics. So even though I haven't been pursuing bookings, I've been doing open mics, and I've been going through some, uh, some runs where I, I perform like three or four times a week for weeks at a time, and then I'll stop for a couple of months either because – Autumn, you know, during the summertime, before autumn went to France, I took some time off. I took some some time off during the last two uh, holiday breaks. But point being, is, like I've got probably performing 50 to 100 times a year. That's, That's 50 or 100 times a year more than I did for years at a time. That's 50 or 100 times more in a year than some people ever do. And I'm not just talking about everybody. I'm talking about people who say they want to do something and don't. There was this guy at work who had found out that I was a performer. He found out that I was a musician, that I had done stand-up. and and uh, So he confessed to me that, well, you know, it's something he had always wanted to do, right? But he never did. And then he'd say, hey, and every, time, every time we'd run into each other in the hallway, he'd go, hey, you know, I'm still I'm working on that. I'm working on that act. I'm working on that act. And one of these days, I'm going to, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days, never came, never comes. Guy was, uh, it wasn't too late. It's never too late. As long as you're alive and kicking, it's never too late. This guy was in his forties, probably. Kicking himself because he hadn't done it before, and then still not doing it, and and that's the thing about doing anything, or about, or about not doing anything. You know, either. It really is this simple. If you're gonna, how do I put this? I'm thinking about writing because it occurred to me once about writing when I was kicking myself because, I'm, you know, I'm just not writing enough. I'm not writing. I'm not writing. I'd i like to write, either write a novel or some screenplays. I'm just I need to write. Which is obviously not true. Because you know what? If I needed to write, I would. And the phrase that occurred to me that I keep repeating back to myself is if I were a writer, I'd write. Fill in the blank. If I were a performer, I'd perform. <laughs> if I were a runner, I'd run. It's, it's just all the same thing. There's choices, man. Either you say, I'd like to do something, and you don't do it. Or I'd like to do something, and you do it. And at the core of it, it's really that simple, right? Right? I don't have to put a question mark after that. It is that simple. It's that simple. So why do I still kick myself? It's like, because, oh, I didn't end up being famous or I didn't end up uh, this or that. It's like, (laughs) I've still done it and I'm still doing it. Not just stand up. I still have, I still have an agent here in San Diego too for acting. And I still uh, go through the casting calls in LA and I go up there a couple times a year for auditions a few times a year down here in San Diego, and I got, I got something going up in uh, Temecula with, uh, with a play. I can mention it, Filmmaker IQ. Filmmaker IQ with a, the man who runs that. His name is John Hess, and he, he calls me now and then, and I go up there and do stuff for him. And that, it turns out to me that's the kind of stuff I really like at my old lazy age is, uh, is the kind of stuff where other people do all the work and I just show up, I just drop in and say a few things, move my body and my face in whatever way is required for the gig, and then I leave. You know, they're, they're doing all the work. That's kind of nice, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's essentially what acting boils down to anyway. I mean, actors sometimes get all this feeling of self-importance because they're the ones that are on the screen and visible, but if you watch the credits roll at the end of a movie, there's hundreds of people at the end of a film that you never see They're doing all the work, most of the work. And I'm not saying acting is easy and shouldn't get any credit, but come on. Actors get way more credit. Way more credit than than we should. Same thing with comedians. On the one hand, it's like, well, the comedy club really wouldn't exist if it weren't for the comedians. Yeah, but you know, the comedians just walk in, walk up on stage, talk for however much time they're allotted, and then leave. (laughs) Right? In the meantime, the waitresses, the bartenders the club owner that the comedians curse at because oh, the club owner doesn't care this that the other thing is like they're the ones doing most of the work <laughs> ah, this is helping me <laughs> I don't know if it's helping you because again, just extrapolate this i I don't want to insult your intelligence and tell you how to how to process what I'm saying, but uh you know <laughs> I laugh because uh, when I kick myself over, oh, I just haven't followed through enough or I haven't done enough. It's like, huh? I've done more than a lot of people who say, who say they'd like to do something and never do. I mean, 50 or 100 times a year getting up on stage, is that's fine. It's more than Zero. And I'm not the one putting in all the work. I'm not the one whose butt is on the line if the club closes down because I, I rely on that money for you know a paycheck or, or it's an investment because I'm an owner or an investor in the club. I'm just some schmo that shows up and does three or five minutes. <laughs> and as for those people I feel envious about, oh, God, I'll get over it. I got to get over it. I got to get over that. <laughs> I got to. I got to. I'm going to. So here's the good company I'm in. Former Twitter CEO. I just found out that I found this out. I was listening to a podcast, a geek podcast. I listened to either Recode or Recode Decode. <clears throat> What's the guy's name? Dick Costolo. I didn't write down his name, but he was a he was a he was a CEO of Twitter for six years. He wasn't one of the founders, but he knew the founders. And uh, he he also had founded his own companies in the early years, in the 90s, in the early years of the web. Uh, FeedBurner was one. Anyway, this guy was a visionary guy. And he, he had a, a – the, the kind of guy who he had created companies that were bought like by Google, right? And then he was gone to be the CEO of Twitter for six years. But here's the part where I'm in good company. This guy, his initial thing that he pursued before any of this – was stand-up comedy and improv. When he was in college, he was a computer science major, but he also was doing improv, and he was starting to do open mics when he was a teenager. And then he, instead of using his degree in computer science, he ended up, uh, this was in Chicago, he ended up going to Second City. And uh, this is, for those of you who don't know, but I'm I'm guessing you do, at least in the back of your mind somewhere, you've heard this. Second City is where a lot of us Saturday Night Live people come from. That along with the Upright Citizens Brigade. But, but this is back in the day when SNL, this was before UCB. So this guy, look him up, dick something. <laughs> he was pursuing this. He was going gung ho. He got an audition for SNL. That's how far he went. He was in the he was with Steve Carell before Steve Carell was famous. They were at Second City together, so he was with he was in that class of people. And by class, I don't mean class in the sense of like you know upper class, lower class. I mean class in the sense of like going to class. He was going to Second City classes, and Steve Carell, and he was in classes with Steve Carell. But at some point, Dick decided he just had tried hard enough and it just didn't happen or wasn't happening and he was tired of struggling and tired of starving and he decided to use his computer science degree and he went on to, you know, eventually become the CEO of Twitter for six years in, up in like 2010s. So, I mean... Okay, so he did it at a different level than me, but it's it's kind of, it's a similar story because I've got my my day job is is involved with computers and and I also made a made a run at it for several years very seriously, and just decided it was like oh man this is just this is just too hard to make a living at this it, it's doing it for doing it for a few bucks here and there is one thing but making a living at it is hard. Got to go on the road, and you got to. I mean, it's, I don't need to go into the gory details. The point is, it's just you find out, and I found out, and that's the part I should not regret, and I don't regret, is that I at least tried, and for years I felt like a loser. But it's like, come on, I'm not a loser. I tried, <laughs> and this was. I just had never heard that kind of that story. I've heard a lot of people who, you know, either quit. Uh, they're lawyers, and they quit. They quit being a lawyer and go into show business or whatever. But I, this like the other way around to hear that a guy who was heavy duty into pursuing it, he he said he was laser focused. He wanted to be on SNL. That was what his, that was his burning desire to be on SNL. And he'd gotten some gigs here and there and some acting gigs and, and he was heavy duty into it. And then he ends up quitting that to become Twitter CEO. And it was just something about that that resonated with me as like, well, that's cool. It's like a parallel universe to me, a parallel to me, in a, 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 at a different level, but it's, it's, but it's, it's the same, the same feeling. We went through the same kind of decision-making process and the same kind of ups and downs and how feeling like, Oh my God, my dream's over. But then you go on to have another life. And now what he's doing, here's another parallel. He's now just, he's still doing, he's performing in one sense or another. He's, but on his own terms. Now he's performing as a, as a guy who's got some money in the bank and a, in In a professional career that's not show business related and he can perform when he feels like it. And that's what I'm doing. So where's the envy? Why the envy? I'm going to stop asking why. i just going to stop having the envy. I got to. I don't have to, but I'm going to. Oh. 41 minutes and 13 seconds. You know, I, would really, I like the number 42. Maybe I should just stop at 42 minutes. Time is weird, memory is weird, but I still got some other stuff to talk about, so I'm going to. Maybe this will be one of my hour episodes. Like, you know, when I first started trying to do this back but <laughs> I was still drinking too. I, I, it was this big deal. That I, I need to do an hour. It's like, eh, I found out I can do it. So I don't need to push to do it anymore. It's just that I have a few other things I want to say, and especially since I haven't talked in a year. Why not? I don't know if this is going to be the first of uh, of a number of podcasts if this is just going to be for me, am I going to just file this away and not upload it? Probably not. <laughs> There's been times when I thought that, and I, I, I had even said it, and then I uploaded it, and I listened to it later, and I go, oh, that's kind of funny. I thought I was recording it for myself, but this one, this one I'm not feeling like I'm recording for myself. I feel like I'm talking to somebody else, and I will upload it, but I don't know if I'm going to make this a monthly thing, a weekly thing, or if I'm just like, see you again in 2019. I have no idea. So I already said time is weird. Could you be more vague? Here's the thing. I'm 57. I don't feel 57. I don't. 57? What the hell? My mom said years ago, I remember she told me, I think she was in her 50s at the time. She said, I look in the mirror and I wonder, who's that old lady looking back at me? <laughs> and that's what I feel. It's just, I go, oh, mom, I get you. I get you. Too bad she she's not still around for me to to tell her I get her. I I but I got her. We got along. Got along with my mom. My mom was cool. But now I get you, mom. <laughs> I don't I don't feel 57. I I got together with some uh, former co-workers. There was this internet company that I worked with right around the time that the internet bubble burst. Um worked there for a few years in the from like 1999 to, to 2002, I think, thereabouts. Anyway, I, I worked there, and, oh, there was a point that I'm losing. Time, memory. <laughs> Speaking of that, yeah, I also wrote memory is weird. I guess it's appropriate because I just forgot what I was going to say. Memory. So let me talk about this since I don't remember the Island Data Connection. That was the name of the company. Um. I'm trying to remember. Now I'm going to let it go. Uh, memory. Memory is weird because I know I got along with my mom. We, I spent a lot of time with her. I have a lot more memories of hanging out with my mom and of, of her taking care of me and my sister than of my dad. It was a typical back then, right? I mean, that doesn't necessarily make him an asshole. He's an asshole for other reasons that I, that I don't need to go into, uh, or just, I just don't want to go into, uh, but Jordan actually my son Jordan says that I should go into it. That that's something I should talk about on stage. But I, I, I did talk about him once a while back last year on stage and I bombed terribly. But I think that's just because I talked about him the whole time and it was coming more from a place of anger than uh than a place of humor. And so I anyway, I'll find a way to talk about him maybe in small doses. But in the meantime, let's talk about my mom. So I have memories of hanging out with her more. She has a lot bigger influence on me than my dad. That's my interpretation of my life and my childhood and growing up. And even into adulthood, too. That we would, my mom and I would talk on the phone. When, and, my, and I didn't. talk. I didn't end up talking to my dad on the phone a lot until after my mom died. It was, but you know, when she was still alive, I talked to my mom a lot. But here's the thing about memory is I don't have, I just only have a few specific memories of what we talked about in my childhood, you know, growing up, going to college, coming back home, living at home and then into adulthood when we didn't live together anymore. I, I have very few specific memories of anything that she said or I said. And yet I value that. and I know it's like deep in my being, and it's influenced me it being you know our relationship has influenced me, but I don't have very specific memories of it, so it's just it's weird and its <laughs> i I wish I had something more profound to say about it it's just it's just weird, and it's not just about my mom, it's about everything I mean I don't know what, what kind of memory you have if you have a lot of vivid memories about your life, but when I just sit back and and uh close my eyes and just picture the various decades of my life. I'm going, I'm only going to have like a few little road markers of specific memories over the course of my entire life. And here I am 57 years old, thousands of days under my belt with only a relative handful of specific memories. I mean, it's just weird. Part of part of the conclusion I've come to recently, though, is that, that that's all the more reason just to value every moment and and mindfulness has become a, a big buzz these days. And it's, it's far from being a new idea. I mean, the ideas go back to the beginning of recorded history. Some ancient philosophers who are, are, are into that kind of thing, the, the, that kind of thing being, you know, pay attention, listen, appreciate the moment. It's nothing new. It's just a constant reminder. I right? just, that... The the current moment seems even all that more much more important when when I realize that I, when I look back at all the moments that I lived throughout my entire life I remember so little of them but when I look around right now I've got all these vivid images being projected into the back of my retina. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. There's no conclusion. There's. It's not a conclusion. It was just. I just wrote. Time. Here's what I wrote on this on this sheet of paper at the top. I wrote. Envy is stupid. I wrote for, above that I actually wrote podcast question mark because I was questioning whether I'd even ta- do this or talk about it. Then I wrote uh, former Twitter CEO did stand up audition for SNL. Talked about that. What else did I talk about that? I'm in good company. Uh, memory is weird. Mom, question mark. Time is weird. 57 with a circle slash through it. Okay, talked about that. Getting to the bottom of the list here. Letterman slash Obama. So Letterman, David Letterman, speaking of quitters, <laughs> here's a guy who had uh, had his career... Actually, he says he was fired. He didn't quit, but whatever the point. I'm joking, because obviously this guy was the king of late night after Johnny. We didn't think there'd be another king of late night, but for a while, he was the king of late night. Even though technically Jay Leno was the king of late night, because a lot of times his uh, viewership was higher, but really, seriously, come on. It was Letterman. Letterman has decided after however many years that he's going to come back. He's got a monthly six six episodes, monthly episodes on Netflix. And his first one was with Obama. And I don't know if maybe that's what inspired me. I watched that earlier today. What inspired me to to do this after not doing it for a while? Because I've been toying with it. I'd set up the microphone. (laughs) I set up the microphone a couple days ago. I've been thinking about doing this again. But then something just made me think more about it today. Maybe, maybe it had something that had to do with that you know David Letterman, after taking all his years off and decided to come back and do it. I guess here maybe the, the only connection I'm not connecting myself to Letterman in any way other than this that he's a human, <laughs> and I'm a human. And he quit his show, and it doesn't mean he's dead. It doesn't mean he's done. He just stopped for, you know, a while. And now he's back to doing something once a month. He used to do it every day. Now he's like he's doing once a month. It, will that be the only six he does? I don't know. I don't know if he knows. And that's what I feel about this. Is I'm just, I'm doing it because I feel like doing it. And I'll have maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe a couple people listen to it. But even if nobody does, maybe, maybe the thing about memory being weird, maybe this will only be for me. Maybe this is something that I can... Listen back to in a few years and remember at least something specific about what happened in my brain, in my mind grapes. For those of you 30 Rock fans out there, I'll have some record of what happened what in my brain for an hour in 2018. Because I don't know, if I don't say something, if I don't take a few pictures and Say something, or maybe take a couple of videos uh, in 2018. How will I even know it happened? I mean, I'll know that the calendar will tell me it happened, but you know, if it's not for it's it's not for these digitally recorded and saved things, images and audio, then how do I even know what I was doing back then? In January of 2018. And at the bottom of my list, other people work and I jump in. I already talked about that. So that, that exhausts my list. Wish I had something uh, profound to say. Maybe all this is profound. Maybe none of it is. That was another thing. Another thing that keeps recurring is the idea that we have no idea what's, what about us is Interesting. I heard Judd Apatow talking about that, and I've been reading his book, one of his books. I don't know if he's written more than one, but the book I'm reading is called Sick in the Head, and it's uh, a collection of interviews that he's done over the years with people. Before he became famous, when he was a kid, he uh, had finagled, finagled, how's that for a word? He'd gotten, uh, gotten to interview famous people. Uh, Various comedians, and I think mostly comedians, maybe just strictly comedians. But anyway, he was in high school, and he told them that he was uh, had a radio station, which he did, but he had failed to tell them it was just a high school station. But he talked a lot. He's talked. He's interviewed a lot of people over the years before he was famous, and since he became famous. And there's another guy who's gone back to stand up. Judd Apatow had been doing stand up, and then he decided he was kind of done with that went on to write and direct and act. And now he's back to doing stand-up again. And he just recently had a one hour f- special on Netflix. So once again, I'm not nearly at that level, but it's, I just like these parallels. I like hearing about people who've just stopped and then gone back to it. It's the same process, whether you're at a, a, you know, a lower level like me or at a higher level, it's the same process. We're all just human beings going through life, you know? Y'all yeah, know? So, Judd Apatow, Um it was the thing that he had said, he had said about, sometimes he'll just put something in this in a script and he just thinks it's a throwaway line, just something to get from one place to another. Maybe it's just something that's needed for the narrative, but he doesn't think anything of it. And it's maybe just some autobiographical anecdote and and he'll think it's just some mundane thing. And then, After the movie's released, people will come back and go, Oh my God, that just touched me. Something that he thinks was just mundane, and he was even getting ready to to leave on the cutting room floor, and people go, Oh my God, that just like, it really spoke to me, and it just, just, oh my God, just thank you for that. And then other stuff that, you know, he'll just toil over and just think is the greatest thing in the world, and people go, Meh. Now, this is far from being a specific thing to Judd Apatow, obviously. It's just an anecdote that came to mind because it, rem- it reminded me that we're all going through that same thing, especially when you're performing or any kind of art, that you just never know what things you do are going to be interesting to other people or not. And that's what makes it really difficult to, to decide what to put out there, what to put on stage, what to put into a microphone like I'm doing now. Because sometimes, you know, you just think, ah, this is this is boring, this is just, you know, whatever, meh. And other people will go, oh my god, that was awesome. So the word profound comes to mind, because I was thinking, oh god, I wish I had something more profound to say. You know, maybe I'm being profound without even trying. Maybe if I try to be profound, it'll just lay flat, you know. Because for one thing... Being profound is uh, going to be subjective anyway. So Jordan, on, along those same lines, Jordan was telling me I was telling him some stories about my life, about situations with my dad and and uh, and <laughs> and other people, but but specifically just about some of the dysfunction in my family. And I and I don't think I had a rough childhood. I had a good childhood. So I'm not, I'm not going to play that card because that would be that would not be genuine. But with that said, there's just some stuff about him that I I was telling Jordan about. And he he goes, my God, why aren't you talking about that on stage? And I said, I don't know. I just don't think it's interesting. And he's, are you kidding me? So see, I don't know. If Jordan is interested in these things that I think aren't interesting, maybe other people find them interesting too. So I'm not going to get into the specifics here. uh, Just to say that we never know. You know, the things that I think are just like, eh. Somebody else might go, "Oh wow, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> how about that? How about that for being specific? Even this podcast i' mean I've been babbling here for close to an hour I'll be shutting it down I'll be shutting this down short of an hour, I think. I had one specific uh listener, her name's Janet. Hey, Janet, in case you're listening um and at some point, it was a really nice compliment that she had said to somebody else on on Facebook. She made a comment directed at somebody else, but I was also on the thread. But she had said that she listens to my podcast and, and, it, and uh, it makes her think. It makes her think. And I thought, oh, that's cool. What else can I ask for, right? I mean, making people laugh is nice, but I think making people think, that's a cool thing. I like to make people think. I'm not trying to make people think. I don't know what I'm trying to do. Right now, I think I'm trying to end this, and I will. 57 minutes. That's close enough to an hour, don't you think? Well, thanks for listening, and if it's a future me listening, well, I'm thanking you too, because I'm, I'm just thanking you, because I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, gratitude. Gratitude. There's a good thing to end on. Goodbye. Until next time, tomorrow or next year. Just when I have all the answers, all the questions change. One day the world looks so normal, next it looks so strange. Looking over the ocean on a sunny day. I'd like to stay here forever, it would be okay.